Hello listeners and welcome to the Fantasy Football Fanatics. This is the second of our two pre-season pods and this week we're joined by Ben in LA. Say hello, hello Ben. Hello, R- reigning, reigning um, champion, don't, f- don't forget that. A reigning, reigning champion Ben, <laughs> in, uh, it took you what, 10 seconds to get that in. And uh, Andy, who's not in Oakland as was erroneously said last week, but he's actually in Tokyo. Uh, hi Andy. Hi there, how's it going? Ah, good. You sound a lot better in Tokyo than in Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yes, I've been working on it. <laughs> um, before we get going, we'd just like to plug our Fantasy Football Fanatics podcast league. So if you remember last season, uh, now we've finally renewed the league. Thank, thanks, Duncan, for keeping us in suspense. Uh, you should be in there. But if you're not, the code is PD79YQ. That's P for penalty, D for defender, 7, 9, Y for yawn, and Q for questionable decision, uh, which I think covers my decision to try and think of football words there to give the code. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's get on with the show. So start, start with our football moment of the week. Um, so Ben, over to you first. Yeah, my football moment of the week, I feel like is... A massive moment. It's almost like moment of the year is uh, Lionel Messi leaving uh, Barcelona when he thought he he wasn't due to uh, La Liga salary rules. Barcelona, uh, one of one of the the clubs that is so poorly run, giving Manu a, a run for <laughs> run money on how badly run they are, have a bunch of uh, players on massive salaries like Dembele and Griezmann, can't afford to keep Messi. Um, so yeah, he's leaving. Um, I think he did a press conference today where he was crying about how this was not what he wanted, but he has to do it. Um, so big news and it looks like PSG are the favorites to land him with their their ridiculous team for the Champions League. So, um, yeah, Yeah. that's my football moment. I, uh, I was reading about that and it, it seems like they were already in 430 million euros of debt before COVID, which almost exactly is the, trans- the combined transfer price of Coutinho, Dembele and Griezmann. Almost exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and yeah, then they've um, obviously lost a lot of money during COVID and now over a billion of debt. I, I wonder what other players are going to be in the fire sale. There's countries with less debt than that, isn't there? They they, they really have messed <laughs> up their uh, their accounts. Yeah, and I was I was reading an article on um, their sporting director or whatever his name and how bad how badly he was running the club when um, when they was when they got rid of Neymar and they were trying to sign a replacement. They would they were offered Mbappe for cheap and they were like, nah, we we don't want this guy. Don't know who he is. Um, and that's when they signed Dembele. And I think they paid over 100 million euros. And then there's a story that the Dortmund um, owners were like shocked because they were willing to accept like less than half that amount and couldn't believe they got this much from Dembele. So uh, it's like the, really... the, the Peter Ridsdale school of negotiation. It's like, we'll give you 138 million euros, not a penny less. Exactly. <laughs> well, not, like... not a penny more even, yeah. But it's okay. Well. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, you really done a great deal there, but okay, since you twisted my arm on it, here's the paper already signed. <laughs> um, but it is kind of sad seeing Messi going to play for another team, um, especially a team like PSG. But yeah, I think we covered this last year when he was rumored to be leaving. But he really should find like a mid-table team and see like. Like how far he could get Villa up the table or something. It would be much more entertaining than playing for PSG. I'd love to see him at Burnley, personally. <laughs> uh, that'd be my choice. <laughs> Taking Dwight McNeil's spot if he can if he can get into the team. <laughs> if he tracks back hard enough, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Andy, what's your football moment of the week? My moment of the week, as last as last time, is from the Olympics. Um, so Japan made it to the final of the um, 
the semi-final of the football Olympics, of men's football Olympics, and um, against Spain. And the Spain team had um, like half of the Euro squad. It had Dani Olmo, Pedri, um, Ayazabal, like loads and loads of the, the like actual best Spanish players were in the team. Even Marco Asensio was on the bench. You know, it, it was like clearly much stronger compared to the real team than most of the other um, international teams were. Um, so Japan made it, made it, made it through to play against Spain, and um, they took it to extra time, which to me was really surprising because Japan aren't that good, and they looked the better team for much of it as well. The same thing that had let them down for most of the tournament, which is creating loads of chances and just missing them, um, afflicted them again. And this moment happened in the in like the early in the extra time, where um, Yoshida. Who you might who people might remember from uh, he used to be a Southampton player. My yeah. he's, he's captain back. of the team. Yeah, that's right. He's captain of the team. Um, did this absolutely phenomenal tackle on the uh, on the Spain striker. Like he came sort of around from the side and the back and just nipped the ball away. And then the guy like was as he's about to shoot, and the guy like kicked Yoshida's foot really really hard after he got the ball, and then a penalty was given because it happened so quick the ref didn't see it. And normally in that situation, the players get up angry, start screaming at the ref, right? But um, Yoshida just got up and said, just said, are you going to check VAR? And the ref said, yes, I'm going to check VAR. And then he went, okay, great, and walked away like completely calm because he knew it wasn't going to be a, wasn't going to be a penalty. Um, and I just thought it was like a really great example of sportsmanship, which is so rare in the modern game. Um, and then you sort of walked up and like did a little punch of hands with the ref after it wasn't given and stuff like it was just an example of how the game should be played, which doesn't happen that often. Wow, it warms the heart. Um, that's uh, good, to, good to see. And um, I'm glad that Japan managed to get some good moments out of the Olympics. I know we were saying that it's been a bit tough over there with the, the crowds not being able to, to be there and things like that. Yeah, Japan finished third in the Olympics, which is unheard of. Like They're not normally a serious contender in the Olympics at all, but they beat Britain to third place. So behind only the US and China, who always finish first and second. So, yeah, they've actually done really, really well. Uh, good stuff. Uh, what, what did Japan get their medals in? What's the uh, the scores? Oh, it's, it's kind of uh, spread across a lot of different things. Um, they always get a few martial arts medals, so um, they got some of those. The women's wrestling, they do really well in. Um, they have a, a couple of skateboarders who got medals. Um, so it's kind of a spread around everywhere. Uh, good stuff. Um, right then, um, rounding it off, I'll just talk about my football moment, um, which was Derby versus Huddersfield in the championship, um, which was a 1-1 draw, but it was more for the fact that the game managed to be played because there was at one point during the summer, uh, Derby only had 10 first team like squad members. Um, and it meant that Wayne Rooney was having to like join in in training, even though he's retired. And he managed to put their star midfielder out for um, Jason Knight, I think it is, for, for three months with a bad tackle. So, <laughs> so then they only had nine first team players. Uh, two of them were goalkeepers. Um, the EFL, because of Derby's financial shenanigans, were kind of stopping Derby from re-signing any players. Um, the owner came to the to the ground on Friday with a load of blank contracts, trying to get the players they wanted to sign to just sign a blank contract so they could play this weekend. So I'll fill in the wages later, um, which unsurprisingly didn't go down too well with some of the players. Um, and then Huddersfield had a COVID outbreak just before the game. So so you had two decimated teams kind of fighting it out for a 1-1 a draw. Um, but it looks like Derby are going to be able to field a team this season. But I've got no idea. It might be a slow, painful death like um, like I saw with Sheffield Wednesday last season. So, uh, But fingers crossed that Derby um, can, can find a new owner and be competitive because no one wants to see a team kind of decimated the way that Bolton and a few others have been in recent years. Yeah, I wonder how many teams are going to just fall apart this year, having just sort of been kept together with elastic bands and sticky tape through um, through COVID. Like Swindon are in a similar position, right, where they haven't they struggled to field a, a team of 11, had to cancel all their friendlies. So I wonder how many more stories there are out there that will unfold over the next year. 
Yeah, I think I think the the gate receipts is going to be a lifesaver now. And I'll be interested to see if crowds are at the same levels they were before, because I, I think there probably are still a few people who are a little bit wary of going into a football ground. So once the the enthusiasm has worn off in a in a week or two, we'll see uh, we'll see what that's like. Right, let's segue away from the real world into our uh, glorious virtual world and the fantasy football leagues. So let's, I think the plan, we'll try and keep it simple this week, is just to run through the teams that, that we've got, our draft teams. And again, we are listening, we are paying attention for, for, for any devious players on this pod who, who come up with a draft uh, game week one, have a team completely different to their draft team. In fact, I think there might have to be a, a points deduction for that. Um, anyway, uh, so can anyone remember who won the league last year? Maybe they should go first. No, I, um, to be honest, I don't think anyone remembers today. It's it's just someone we go now. <laughs> I'll ha- I'll happily go first. Um, <laughs> so my team name is uh, I went I wanted a name that had a man you play in it, um, and then obviously Luke Shaw had a great Euros, um, so I went with uh, Shaw Flank Redemption um, as my team name, and I very think good, very good. My strategy is, I think, similar to previous years. Um, try and get to international break, which is after game week three, and then potentially wild card, depending on all the craziness that that ha- has happened in the first couple of weeks. So, uh, just going through my draft, my goalkeepers. I know last week we had talked a lot about Dean Henderson, um, 5.0 for Manu. I thought that was a really good pick, um, but unfortunately he got COVID um, and I think there's some long-term effects for it. So I still really like the idea of a 5.0 Man U goalkeeper, given our, our first fixtures are Leeds, Southampton, Wolves, Newcastle, um, pretty favourable. So I've gone for David De Gea and uh, my backup goalie is, I had a pick of um, random 4.0 goalkeepers um i remember last season i chose the 4.0 goalkeeper who's pretty highly owned which meant that they lost value pretty quickly so i tried to choose a 4.0 goalkeeper that no one really has so i went with angus gunn from norwich um and then my defenders uh luke shaw i I think i just to say i think i had angus gunn in my team last year when uh (laughs) two years ago when he let nine in playing for southampton so uh, i can i can highly recommend him (laughs) Um, hopefully he never sees uh, the first team. Um, my defenders, I went with Luke Shaw, who I think is the most owned, maybe the most owned play in the game. He's now at 52% um, ownership. Um, I went with uh, Ben White, who I think a lot of people have at 4.5 million. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold. And then uh, I have uh, Daniel Amati from Leicester who I think is really good value at 4.0. He played in the Community Shield starting for Leicester against Man City, and he's playing because um, Fafana got injured and Johnny Evans is still injured. So he's a pretty good pick at 4.0. And then I have Luke Ayling as my fifth defender, um, mainly because I think 4.5 is a really good price um, for starting least defender and... Second half of last season, they I think they were picking up their defense. So uh, that's kind of my defenders. Okay, can I can I just say on Luke Shaw, Ben? I I wonder if like normally in the the Euros, there's one player who does really well and gets like a big money transfer off the back of it just due to their kind of having a crazy tournament. But 52% ownership for Luke Shaw, and he scored two league goals in his career. Is that, <laughs> that not slightly slightly over the top? Well, he also takes corners and free kicks. Um, so yeah, I think he. I I'm not expecting him to score many goals, but given given Manu's first run of fixtures and the assist potential, I'm I'm totally. And I also named my team after him, so that's always know. a factor. Yeah, <laughs> that's a factor. Yeah. He also he he got two assists in the in the friendly against Everton as well. Everton, so. Yeah. It seems like his um, his crossing has significantly improved over over the last year. I think um, I've I've got I've got him in my team as well. I think he's 
I think he's a bit of a he's undervalued. Having a having the the first choice man, you both corner taker and left sided free kick taker, uh, five and a half million, I think is really is a, is undervalued. Yeah. Um, okay, midfield Bruno Salah. Um, not uh, not much to explain there. Um, I've gone for Jota who I think is a little bit underpriced at 7.5. I think he scored today in a friendly as well. And uh, I think Roberto Firmino is still, I think he's still like taking some time off after the Copa America. He isn't fully back yet. So I like Jota for the first couple of weeks before international break. Um, I've gone Rafinha like a lot of other people. Just because I think 6.5 is a little cheap for Rafinha. And my fifth midfielder is where I've kind of gambled. I've gone for Deli Alley, 6.5 million, playing as the number 10 for Spurs. Um, if he can show any of the form that we know he can, basically Spurs starting number 10 at 6.5 is pretty cheap. So I'm going, I'm going to roll the dice on Deli Alley. And then up front, Danny Ings, who just got his move to Villa. Um, their first three fixtures are really good. Watford, Newcastle, Brentford. Um, so I think I'm going to gamble on Danny Ings. I think in their friendly today, Ings was up front with Watkins on the left and El Ghazi on the right. Um, so I think he will start. And then I've gone for Mikel Antonio as my other striker. Um, yeah, I just think he's good. West Ham are good. They played Newcastle first, so I like that fixture. And then my third striker, who I'm not planning to play, is uh, Oberfemi from Southampton at 4.5 million. I don't know if he'll start. Maybe he'll get a couple more games now that Danny Ings is gone. Um, but I don't plan on playing him. So basically, I'm going to play 3 5 2 as I start the season. And uh, yeah, that's my team, my draft. Okay, very in vogue, 3-5-2. I think it's, um, yeah, I think that's pretty solid. I think any any listeners to the league, if they want to beat Ben, they're going to have to, uh, well, either just shamelessly copy him or come up with a good team. What, what do you, what's your impressions of that team, Andy? Um, I think there's a, an un, uncharacteristic amount of risk in there from Ben. Uh, he's got, Ings and Antonio and Dele, any of which could be injured and or dropped. Because Ings might not start the season and might get injured. Antonio probably will start unless West Ham sign a striker in the next week and will probably be injured in week one. Um, and then you've got Ali, who we don't know whether he's really going to play or not, especially with the uh, the rumours about Spurs signing Lazaro Martinez. So, I don't know, like... Ben, have you got a new uh, a newfound lease of life? Are you going maverick all of a sudden on us? Well, I definitely feel a lot less pressure going into this season, having got the monkey off my back last season. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you could also argue that Jota is a risk, rotation risk mm. too. Um, yeah, also true. Yeah, I thought, because I normally wildcard early, I might as well just... I, I do think there, there there is a lot of upside with these picks, though, so that's why I kind of got uh, them. So it's always hard to defend a title, and maybe um, maybe early signs are showing of a bit of a, a break in resolve. Yeah, yeah complacency. <laughs> Deli Ali, Jota. Yeah, well, uh, I'm, I'm time will tell. A, I'm I'm doing a Man City style title defense, which is uh, you know, not normally that good. <laughs> <laughs> Right then, Andy. Sorry. Oh, go ahead, Andy. I'll, I'll go to that. Okay, great. So my team, um, I've kind of, I've got two choices. I mean, I've been alternating between two drafts at the moment, and I'm choosing the one that is different from everybody else's because it's going to be more interesting to talk about. But I may revert um, to the other one before the season starts. Um, so in goal, this is this probably won't change. Is I've got um, Sanchez and Bachman from um, from Brighton and Watford respectively. They're both, that's two 4.5 million goalkeepers that have a, a really good rotation for the first 11 games. So you can get a, a run of Burnley, Watford, Everton, Brentford, Norwich, either Palace or Newcastle, Leeds, Norwich again, Everton, and then Southampton or Newcastle is your first run of run of games. So um, that's 
hopefully between the two of them, I won't have to make any changes over the course of the early days and just alternate between two 4.5 goalkeepers. Um, my defence is um, I've got White, much like Ben. I've got Ailing, much like Ben. I had Fafana, who I don't have anymore, and that that's kind of what um, what started my my thinking around changing the team up. Um, and then uh, so instead I've got Kaglasiunchu, who is um, 0.5 more than Fafana, because obviously he's a guaranteed starter with uh, with Evans and um, Fafana both out. Um, Alexander Arnold and Shaw, who I do almost everyone's got both of those. So um, where I previously, much like everybody else had um, Salah and Fernandez as like the, the backbone of my midfield. The injury to Fafana, I couldn't find anybody, having already picked White and Ailing, I couldn't find another 4.5 midfielder that I was really keen on. So I I went up to CNCU, started looking for alternatives, and eventually I caved and took the full 2.5 million drop from Fernandez to Sancho. So I've now so got... Straight uh, in with Sancho. Straight in with Sancho, yeah. Um, he hasn't trained yet. He hasn't trained yet, no. But um, the, the, the thing that really like talked me into it was that when we've signed big money players in the past, we signed Maguire and Wampasaka and Fernandez, all of them went straight into the team. So I don't see any reason, especially since Sancho um, has played in England before um, and he's friends with half the team. I don't see any reason why he would be any different from our other big signings and if he does come in and start scoring loads of goals then he's going to increase in value pretty quickly and uh, man united's early runs is kind of favorable i am like aching in my heart to get um to get bruno back but so i might just completely break the rest of the team to get both of them into, into it but we'll see anyway so for now i've got sancho and salah and that um, that 2.5 million has enabled me to get the rest of the midfield to be Mason Mount, who narrowly made the cut over Jota based on the fact that he's more likely to start. Um, Emi Buendia, who narrowly made the cut over Rafinha. Um, and Jack Grealish, following his transfer, I think 8 million into the uh, into the City attack is a, a bargain price. Um, so I've got a... a, a Five strong midfielders and will play either a four-five-one or a three-five-two for most of the early fixtures. Um, and then up front, I've got um, Ivan Tony, Ashley Barnes, and Kalechi Ianacho. So Ianacho obviously had a great end to the season last year, um, playing in a front two with Vardy. So I think it's pretty likely that um, Rogers will persist with that because Vardy's getting on now. He can't really sort of lead the line on his own anymore. Um, Ashley Barnes, five point five. He's uh, as likely to start as anybody else at that price. Pod, pod then, legend uh, Ashley Barnes. Pod <laughs> legend Ashley Barnes, yes. And Ivan Tony, who um, has a, is it, was it 33 goals he scored last season? He's got an incredible ownership. He's obviously like expected to be the, the star from the promoted sides. Um, 29.9% Ivan Tony, uh, team selected by percentage. So, um, yeah, that's that's my team. Any comments? I. I do wonder on Ashley Barnes, how many goals do we think he's going to score this season? Um, I, uh, although I guess he's your backup. He got three last season, I see. So uh, um, I've got a comment on Ivan Tony actually, which I think I was bigging him up last week on the pod, saying how well he did leading the line and what a good player he is. Um, but I'm actually not. I'm actually not going to pick him in my team just because. I was looking, I was thinking about this and I think he's probably, for a promoted striker, um, 6.5 is is quite pricey. And I was kind of thinking if I was going to gamble on a promoted striker, I'd want Timo Puki because Norwich are a better team than Brentford. They showed that last year. Um, Puki's shown that he can score goals in the Premier League. And yeah, I think I just think he'll get more chances. And he did score a, a shed load of goals in the championship last year, 29 or something. So he didn't quite get 33. But um, so, yeah, but I, I think um, I do. I do think Ivan Tony is a good shout, though. You could easily make a case for both of them. What, what type of striker is he? Is he clinical? Ivan Tony is he was very clinical last year, but I don't think he he's kind of in a slightly late developer. Is he someone who 
he's only really broken through a couple of years ago. I think he's playing at Peterborough a couple of years ago. Brentford signed him last season. He, he's a big he's a big guy. He's about six foot three. He leads the line. He plays in the centre of the three forwards. Um, good in the, really good in the air, uh, but plays on the last shoulder of the defender as well. Um, and he takes penalties, so he's got a lot in oh. his favour. Mm. Yeah, the penalties is nice. Yeah, that's the uh, one thing that I'm really worried about with not having Bruno in the team is uh, missing out on all those penalties. Because Sancho, I would expect to win a lot of penalties as well with his dribbling. So I'm feeling a little bit nervous about that. Yeah, well, I guess, I mean, I guess as a Man U fan, it's always good to have a, a Man U player or two to support as well. So, uh, yeah, gives you added motivation. I didn't mention my my team name following from the uh, the movies theme is uh, Ailing versus Predator. I like that. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I think my money would be on Predator though, to be honest. Um, <laughs> well, it depends what they're doing, right? If they're playing football, I'd probably back, back Ailing. <laughs> I don't know. I had Ailing in my team for a bit last season as well, so I'm not even sure about that. Um, uh, it depends. <laughs> Depends if he's playing at fullback or centre back. Certainly, if he's at centre back, then I fancy Predators' chances. <laughs> um, right then. So I'll run through my team again with the disclaimer that this, this might all change. Um, some of the names are the same, but a few are different. So I've also gone for Sanchez as one of my goalkeepers, but I've gone for David Raya as the alternative from Brentford. Uh, both 4.5. Um, my defence. Uh, well, I had Robertson, although he may now be injured, so that might have to change. Ben White, who everyone's gone for, I think, who seems like a bargain. Uh, Reese James, John Stones, and Veltman from Brighton. I'm, I'm heavily backing Brighton, as you'll see, Joel Veltman. Um, my midfield, again with my Brighton <laughs> axis, is Leandro Trossard. Uh, Emi Buendia, who Andy had, uh, Mo Salah, slightly less controversial, Raheem Sterling, and Brian Embuemo from Brentford. Um, so I'll just touch on Buendia briefly, because I think I think he's a perfect player to step into Grealish's shoes at, at Villa. I think he'll get a lot of the ball, he'll be dribbling, he'll be running at people, and... Basically, I think he underperformed a bit with Norwich last season in the Premier League, or two seasons ago in the Premier League, but he was fantastic in the Championship. And I think this will be a, a big breakthrough season in the Premier League for him. Um, I think, uh, can I just jump in there? Because that's what I meant to say about Buendia um, when I was doing my team, but forgot, is um, although he didn't get a lot of goals and assists two seasons ago, and it looks like he underperformed, his key passes and his chances created was like miles and miles above everybody else at Norwich. Their problem was they weren't finishing his chances. So that's also a, a sign that he's cut out for this level. He just wasn't surrounded by the right team last time around. Yeah, and Danny, Danny Ings is going to finish all the chances. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Or uh, or is Ollie Watkins? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> yeah, so so I think I think Brendy is a really good one to watch, actually. And um, I think I'm right in saying that Villa... Well, the, their first three games are quite tasty. They, 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 their fixtures turn after that. He, but he starts with Watford, Newcastle and Brentford. So... Certainly, if you're doing this three-week window, um, Buendia would be a good one. Um, I've gone for Trossard, and I've got three Brighton players, as you've seen. I think they're quite good value. I, I think Brighton were the XG kings last season. Um, I'm backing them to turn the XG into a actual tangible performances on the pitch. And I think Trossard, whenever I've watched Brighton play, he's always quite a good... He's like the centre of all their attacks. They they do need to sign a striker though, Brighton. Um, they haven't done yet, and I feel if they do sign a striker, a good striker, they'd be a, a top ten team. Um, and then Brian and Buemo for Brentford. I've gone for him because he's quite cheap at five point five million. Um, but he also he's a wide forward. Uh, he's got about nine goals for Brentford last year, and I think he's going to be a guy who you would think would be kind of threatening getting in the box getting on the ball a lot does he have the quality to succeed in the premier league i'm not sure so he might be on my bench some weeks but um i think he's worth keeping an eye on 
and then just to round it off with my forwards I think the forwards are really hard this year um so I, I like the rest I've gone kind of mid-price so, so I mentioned why I'm going for Timo Puki earlier but my other two couple of favorites from last year Patrick Bramford and Dominic Calvert-Lewin they're, they're slightly more expensive this year but I still think they'll score goals uh so yeah that's my team yeah, I was uh, I was very tempted by Bamford as well. Um, I uh, I tried to tried to find a way of fitting all the players I already had and Bamford instead of uh, Ian Acho, but I couldn't do it. Uh, I think he's a really good pick. Yeah. So um, Ben, do you want to pull apart my team and tell me where I'm all going wrong? I just don't, I don't get. I've seen a lot of people with the Brighton loving early this this season. I just don't get it. <laughs> Brighton to me. I don't know, they just flattered to deceive. They barely, I mean, they didn't they just, they avoided relegation, they were close to relegation at some point during last season. They haven't fixed their big issue, which is um, getting a striker. So yeah, I'm not, I could be proven wrong, but um, Brighton was definitely not one of the teams that were was top of my list for my FPL draft. Yeah, no, that, I guess that's fair enough. I mean, I guess partly a couple of their players that I've got in are quite cheap, but I'm, I'm also kind of eyeing up what, what's quite a friendly start to the season for Brighton. In fact, I, I think I, I I have my little spreadsheet to try and figure out who's got the easiest fixtures. And I, I got um, Villa and Brighton as the two teams with the friendliest fixtures for the first five games. So I've tried to fit a few players in based on on that. So they've got... Burnley away, Watford home, Everton home, Brentford away, Leicester home, Palace away, first six games of the season. It's not till game week nine where they have Man City, then Liverpool, where, where it goes a bit harder. So that's that's my reasoning with Brighton anyway. I think for a lot of people, it's the, um, the XG from last season. They're just assuming that um, a lot of XG last season means a lot of goals this season. I'm not sure how solid that logic really is, given that they haven't signed a striker. They still- Presumably, they're still going to play Neil Mopay up front um, or Danny Welbeck when he's fit. Um, mm. But I think uh, that's probably where the love in comes from. I, th- I think uh, probably, Gary, your theory is a little bit further than a lot of players have gone. Yeah. Oh, well, I'll be high on XFP, fantasy <laughs> points, if not. <laughs> um, right then. We were also going to cover Matt and Duncan's teams. Um, so, Andy, do you want to talk us through Matt's team? If this really is his team, unless he's just kind of trying to prank us. Because there's one player in particular in his team that I, I'd be very surprised if he is in Matt's final 11. But we'll, we'll we, see. We should give a point deduction if, it, if this player does not appear <laughs> in his first team. So, that, that aside, it's quite a kind of template team, I think, this one. Uh, but there is one wild card, which I'll come to. So, um, Matt's goalkeepers are Casper Schmeichel and Ben Foster, um, which I assume means he's going to be playing Schmeichel as a set and forget and Foster as the bench goalkeeper. Um, at the back, he's got, um, of the sort of met common picks, he's got Luke Shaw, he's got Andrew Robertson, he's got Ben White. Um, Robertson, you said Ben got an injury in the friendly preseason? Yeah, got injured today. So um, I think Hopefully that might... this part and he just plays it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I fear he, that may precipitate a change in his team, though, because uh, Robertson's obviously an expensive player to have at the back with no uh, no games. So um, currently he's got Robertson anyway. Um, I I guess that'll probably end, end up being Trent. Um, and then uh, he's got uh, Ben White, the other comp pick, and uh, Javier Manquillo of, uh, of Newcastle fame as his, uh, his back line. He's currently playing 3-5-2 with all five midfielders, which are um, Rafinha, Mount, Salah, Fernandez, and Buendia, which is a really, really strong midfield. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. And then, uh, obviously, having uh, he's basically got the midfield that I want to have. <laughs> uh, before I had, before I uh, I did the um, the Sancho to um, to Fernandez change, so yeah, Fernandez to Sancho change. I had. Uh, Basically the same midfield, but I couldn't afford Mason Mount. So now he's got that. Um, and then up front, he's got um, Ivan Tony, obviously a very popular pick. Um, Perica from from uh, from Watford, who I guess is just because he's really cheap and couldn't didn't have any money. And then here's the wild card. Drum roll, please. 
Roberto Firmino. <laughs> so, so Firmino, odd, odd pick. Firmino always seems to get put into my team when you do the you do the wild card, like pick auto select team just to just to get this game started. And the game's always telling me I should have Firmino, but um, I never want him because he seems to be hideously overpriced for someone who doesn't score that many goals. But um, Andy, can you defend Matt's um, selection policy for uh, Firmino, please? What? <laughs> no, 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 I can't. Um, like, I guess he must be thinking that um, Firmino is a guaranteed starter in the Liverpool attack who had an uncharacteristically bad season last year. Um, and the expectation is that this year he'll get back to his normal self and justify a nine million price tag. Um, he, he has had a couple of like runs before where he's gone through and scored like in a, in a sequence of, of games and like got his entire tally for the season in in, a, in the space of six or seven games. So you can get lucky with him, but I think it's a big gamble. And uh, much like Ben, it's an uncharacteristic gamble from from Matt to go for Firmino up front. None of my picks is as bad as, as Firmino. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree. I'm looking through his career record. I'm amazed that he's been, this will be his seventh season in the Premier League. I hadn't realised he'd been at Liverpool quite that long. Um, he's quite consistent. He went, last season was nine goals. The season before, nine goals. Before that, 12, 15, 11 and 10. Um, so he always seems to be about that 10 or 11 mark. Um, but he's always got a minimum of eight assists. So I, I guess he's kind of under the radar. He picks up quite a few points from assists. Because um, we, we associate him with not scoring that many goals. But he, he's got up to... His, his, last season was his lowest scoring season and he got 141 points. So maybe maybe Matt's been doing kind of a reverse um, kind of stat uh analysis here and he's, he's decided that Firmino is actually undervalued I don't know for 9 million that's not a high score is it 140 yeah. for a 9 million strike isn't very good that's the same as Chris Wood and Che Adams last season <laughs> <laughs> so I, t- I tried to do I, t- I tried to defend Matt's choice but failed so yeah I, Matt, I just find it funny how he's always overpriced in FPL like mm-hmm. they should just make him a million cheaper and then it would be a little bit more tempting but no, he's always nine million or higher. It's crazy. Yeah, I just don't understand it. Um, so Matt's got, I think Matt's got some work to do with Robertson getting injured and Firmino being overpriced. I think he's got some work to do. It's, in fact, it's amazing to me that he's managed to get that midfield while also having Robertson and Firmino in the team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Matt, we dare you to keep Firmino for the first month. That's your challenge. See if you can accept it. Um, <laughs> I, I just want to touch on, finally, on Matt Sullivan's forward, uh, Stipe Perica from Watford. Um, ju- just the amazing thing that we were looking through the Watford team and we found they've actually got 10 forwards on the game, which I think might be some kind of record. Um, I'll just run through. They've got Josh King, uh, Troy Deeney, Andre Gray, uh, Perica, who I just mentioned, Matt's favourite from the past, Isaac Success, uh, Ashley Fletcher, Jao Pedro, Emmanuel Dennis, uh, Adidapo Awakoya Medude. Sorry, Medude. I'm sorry if anyone's anyone in his family is listening. I, I, may, I should have practiced that. And uh, Juan Camilo Hernandez Suarez. Um, so, yeah, goodness knows if any of them are going to be any good. But, um, yeah, I. It just caught my attention before that Watford have 10 strikers and Man City just have Gabriel Jesus. Um, so what are the odds on Gabriel Jesus outscoring all 10 of Watford's forwards this season? We'll, we'll have to wait and see. I, my money's on Gabriel Jesus because uh, you've got to expect Harry Kane to, once he moves, Harry Kane to get injured around April for a couple of months, right? So Jesus has got a couple of months playing for Man City. Is Kane going to happen? I've I, got don't, a I don't think feeling, so. Yeah, I've got a sneaking feeling he's going to be stuck at Tottenham. Levy, Levy's not going to let him move. <laughs> so you think he's going to get stuck at Tottenham and then uh, City will be playing their false nine system all season again? That's why I, I almost had Gabriel Jesus in my um, squad because I, I was kind of wondering, did, I think De Bruyne and 
um, one other city player, uh, Foden, have both got the the kind of the, the exclamation mark, most likely injured sign. So yeah, they're both out, and uh, Guardiola has announced that they're both out, quote unquote, for quite a while. That was his exact quote. Uh, so um, yeah, you'd expect that means at least two, three weeks, right? Yeah, so I, th- I think that means either Jesus or Raheem Sterling in that central role. I, I put Sterling in my team, but I might still switch it around because Jesus, 8.5 million. Um, and another one, it's amazing for me, this is his sixth season in the Premier League. He's never gone crazy and got like a big 20-goal season, but he did get 14 goals the season before last. Um, he's just never played the minutes, really, but maybe now's his chance I think more likely it's going to be Kevin De Bruyne out front, isn't it? Because that's what happened most of last season. Yeah, but he he's just injured right now, isn't he? Oh, sorry. Yeah, of course he is. Um, that was that was a bad comment, wasn't it? Torres then. Uh, last yeah. season when, when De Bruyne was injured at the end of last season, it was Ferran Torres. Still wasn't still wasn't JC, so it was Ferran Torres, right? Yeah, I think Torres yeah. played. So um, played up front in the Community Shield. Yeah, the, I think their their squad was very light for the Community Shield, wasn't it? They'd, they'd rested a lot of their players, but but yeah, well, I guess we're not we're not we're we're kind of used to saying this on the pod, but we'll just have to see. It's it's names out of a hat with Man City, I think. Sometimes is yeah, there's a few here like Mares. Like if he plays every week, he'd be an amazing player to have. But is he going to play? Is he not? Uh, Grealish, how will he fit in? Um, anyway, we'll we'll leave City for now and we'll move on to Duncan's team. So Ben, would you like to give us a quick run through Duncan's team? Yeah, Duncan's gone with uh, the Watford goalkeepers, so Bachman, Foster, and then in defence he's got Trent, Luke Shaw, Ben White. Um, he's gone for Veltman from Brighton as part of the I think the the Brighton have good fixtures early on. Um, Kind of thought, and then the one interesting play he has that none of none of us have is uh, uh, Luca Dean um, for Everton, who I think the thought there is they also have a really good early run of fixtures. Um, let me just look up who they have. They have uh, Southampton, Leeds, Brighton, Burnley, Villa, Norwich. Um, so really good run. Um, I just think Everton. Rafa Benitez might be a disaster. They played their first team against Man U in preseason, and we absolutely stuffed them. Um, and also, they now have—they don't have World Cup Pickford; they have Premier League Pickford, who <laughs> who dropped a clanger in against Man U. So, um, I think you know, I think it, it could be a good pick, but um, yeah, let's see how Benitez's Everton performs. And then in midfield. Uh, Salah, Bruno, Yotta. Um, he's gone with Jack Harrison over Rafinha. I think Harrison is 0.5 million cheaper. And his fifth midfielder who he's benching is Brownhill from Burnley. And then up front, same as me, uh, Danny Ings, uh, Antonio, um, Obafemi. So yeah, that's, uh, that's Duncan's team. A little bit template that, that we would expect from Duncan. Um, mm. Harrison, I feel like it's not a good pick. I would try and find a way to make that Rafinha or Buendia or one of the 6.5s. Um, but yeah, not bad. Didn't didn't Harrison get more points than Rafinha last season, though? Really? Well, maybe. Yeah, he got 160. I'm just looking now and Rafinha... 133. I guess was Rafinha maybe injured for a bit of the season? I can't remember. It wasn't first choice at the start of the season. He only came in to the team as a first choice player at like November, December-ish. So I think that's probably why. Yeah, maybe Duncan's pick of uh, Jack Harrison will, will prove me wrong. Yeah, he's got a bit of a man bun as Harrison, so I can see why uh, Duncan would, uh, would, would go for that. Um, <laughs> so... So yeah, that's that's Duncan's team. Um, so who's who's your money on uh, this season for the uh, for the fantasy football fanatics pod league? Andy, who who are you backing? 
looking at the teams, I think Ben's lost it, and, and Matt seems to also have lost it. So it's. Uh, <laughs> I, I think uh, I think my mind's at job. I think Matt will not end up with Firmino and his team. I think he'll get his act together before the start of the season. My mind's on Matt. I, I was always going to say my money is on Matt purely because he's he's not taking his draft. He's trying to misdirect us with his draft. So he's being devious on a level we've not seen before from Matt, which means mm-hmm. I think he's really taking this quite seriously. Like he's not even giving us his real draft team. Yeah, that's true. Do you think he's yeah, got like a lot of a lot of information stored up that he's not sharing and like yeah. he's, he's playing that game this season? Matt, I can't believe it. <laughs> Yeah, Matt's been very quiet. Um, he, he used to win our league every year, and now he's he's gone off the boil. So he's obviously planning his revenge. But I I just wonder if Duncan, I can just imagine Duncan with all the formulas going through his head and all the information and his all the Twitter followers that he's followed. I, I I think I think Duncan might spring a surprise this year. It's a bit like Pep. Occasionally he overthinks it, but this year he might just think it and and come out on top. Do you know what amazes me is that um. Ben, Matt, and Duncan seem to have completely different approaches to how to build their teams. And the Duncan's like completely going crazy with all the Twitter, Twitter like forecasts and things. Matt's got his system, and like Ben seems to go for like data-based approach. And yet they always end up with exactly the same team as each other. <laughs> but then, then, then they throw that approach in the bid after five weeks and just copy whoever's winning. And then, yeah. <laughs> Right, no well, we'll have to see. I, uh, I I must say myself and Andy need to up our game. We were pretty poor last year, so uh, we'll we'll try and provide some competition. Um, <laughs> right, before we go, what we're going to do is like the feature that we've done the last couple of years, which is looking for some um, bargain basement players that can uh, help help build everyone's teams. So we've set a target of a defender for less than four point five. A midfielder for less than six and an attacker for less than seven million. And we're going to try and predict who the top point scorers in the league are going to be. Um, so, Ben, do you want to go first with your defender? And I'm, I'm very much looking forward to you pronouncing him, first of all. But who, who have you gone for as less than 4.5 million? Um, I've gone for Konstantinos Tsimekas from Liverpool. Uh, 4.0 million. I think a good enabler to start your season with, although probably won't score super high over the season. Uh, Robertson got a pretty bad looking injury today. Um, we're kind of podding before we know the extent of that injury, but it definitely looked like he, he twisted his ankle. Um, I read on the internet, a great reliable source that Simeka has actually been playing pretty well in preseason. I think he moved for a decent amount of money last season. Um, and yeah, I, d- I doubt, I mean, James Milner's getting on, so I don't really see James Milner playing left back. I mean, this is kind of the reason they got Simicas was to cover Robertson. Um, so yeah, imagine a 4.0 Liverpool starting defender to start your season. I think it's quite tempting. Um, so yeah, he's my full point, less than 4.5 million budget pick. That's... That's Flair going under in it under the price of four point yeah. five million. Um, <laughs> Andy, who have you gone for? I'm going to go for. Um, I'd like to stress here, by the way, that in all of these picks, everyone else picks before I did, so I was Ooh, definitely in no many places. But um, I'm going with uh, Tariq Mitchell, uh, Patrick Vieira. Although I don't think um, Crystal Palace are going to be especially good this season. Um, over the course of the season, they um, will, I think a lot of their younger players that haven't had a lot of games under Hodgson are going to um, come through under Vieira. They've let go 10 players and it's like they're basically like letting a whole new generation come through. Um, Tariq Mitchell actually played last season, even under Hodgson. So I think he's probably going to be a, a regular starter for, um, for Palace this season. And he was pretty good. Like um, he got forward, he defended well. Um, and if they sack Fiera after three weeks, like they did with Frank de Boer, and get somebody who knows how to defend, then um, you could end up with another like solidly defensive team with him playing first team every week. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure whether it's Tyrick or Tariq or how you're supposed to pronounce his first name, but whichever one it is, Mitchell is my, my pick. 
Okay, he was a bit of a legend last season, wasn't he? From the start, coming in at four million as a as a starting defender. Um, so my pick, I'm going for Ben White. I think a lot of us put him in the team. I think he was priced as a Brighton price, 4.5. He's now Arsenal, and we think he's going to be a, a starting defender. So um, me and 24.3% of Premier League managers uh, think that he will be a good pick this season. And finally for Duncan, he has gone with Luke Ayling from Leeds, who, as I alluded to earlier when we were discussing <laughs> discussing and taking on Predator. Uh, he is a very good fullback. Uh, I'm not convinced with him at centre half. Um, Leeds letting a lot of goals when he plays centre half, but hopefully if he's playing at fullback, he should get involved and he should get more than his zero assists last season. Um, yeah, he used to get a few assists in the championship. Uh, just to say, Matt, we mentioned Matt was playing his cards close to his chest with his uh, obviously false draft team. He's also refused to submit any picks for this this competition, so <laughs> we'll have to get Matt's picks later. But um, he's playing a very cynical game this year, it must be said. Um, right, on to the midfielders. And maybe, Andy, do you want to go first with your six million midfielder? Yeah, um, I've, I'm eschewing a couple of boring picks that I almost went for. Like, I, I almost went for, for Suchek. I uh, thought about Stuart Dallas, but I'm going to go with um, Ismail Assar, who um, at the end of two seasons ago really lit up the the league in, this, in sort of like the bid to avoid relegation. Um, his most famous performance obviously being in that, that game where Watford, like out of the blue, beat Liverpool 3-0 and ended their, their winning run. Um he had a great season last season, was Watford's top scorer in the in the championship in the promotion push. And so I think he's going to be a, 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 a live wire on the on the right wing this season. And whenever Watford win, I think he's going to be at the centre of it. So I'm picking out Ismail Madasar as my, my sub-six pick. Yeah, I, I feel with Watford, I mean, they've got such a bloated squad full of... Um, kind of players from all over the place that they're either going to become the kind of the the solid mid-table team they were before or be awful and I'm not quite sure which um they had one of the most underwhelming promotion campaigns I've seen they only scored 63 goals um last season but but yeah I think Saar will be at the heart of everything despite their 10 strikers he's the one that you you really want yeah, and he's a midfielder, um, of course, as well. So he's going to he's competing with ten strikers <laughs> for the right wing position of beating all of them. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be like the first ever international when England had the one-one-eight formation. Watford are just going to line up all their <laughs> mediocre strikers across the the forward line. Um, yeah, Ben, who have you gone for for your midfielder? Um, I've also gone under six at four point five. I've chosen. Uh, the Croydon De Bruyne, Emil Smith-Rowe. Um, he's now, he, I think he's Arsenal's number 10 officially. So I think that gives some sense that Arteta has a lot of uh, faith in him. Um, I know Arsenal were trying to get another kind of number 10 type player. Um, I think they, they bid for Buendia, but he decided to go to Villa instead. Uh, but yeah, I like Emil Smith-Rowe. I think he's a good player. He got some goals and assists last season. He's their new number 10. So, um, yeah, I feel like that's a pretty uh, safe pick. Mm, yeah, 5.5 million, Emil Smith-Rowe. Um, yeah, I, th- I think if he gets the minutes, he should be, a, as you say, he should be a good one. Um, we all, we've already mentioned Duncan's team and uh, Jack Jack Harrison and his man bun. Well, Duncan's picked Harrison for this category. And I am attempting to go really flair. I, I, I was going to go for Enbuemo, who, I, who I've put in my draft team from Brentford. But I, I thought I'm going to, I'm trying to gonna be even more flary and go one million under the price bracket here. Um, so I'm going to say uh, Pierre-Emile Hoiberg from Spurs for five million. Um, a defensive midfielder. I, I think he's a defensive midfielder who, who who gets forward a bit and has a shot shot on him. I, I think he's a bit more than a defensive midfielder. So I think in a bit of a way that Jorginho gets a few well, mainly penalties, but I, I think Hoiberg is going to play a lot and he's going to be uh, 
proving the doubters wrong. So I'm going to say Hoiberg for bargain midfielder. And finally, we'll move on to the strikers. Um, so Duncan went for Ivan Tony, who, who a lot of us have uh, been bigging up on this pod. Uh, ben, who have you gone for? Um, I've gone for Che Adams at 7.0 million. Um, really on a lot of good strikers on the game, I think, which is why most people are not playing three up front. Um, but yeah, I reluctantly with Che Adams, just with the thought that Danny Ings is now gone. He kind of has to be the main man at Southampton. Um, and, you know, like we said earlier, he scored a decent amount of points matching Roberto Firmino. So, um, yeah, that's why I went with Che Adams. Although, I don't really rate Che Adams. I don't think he's very, very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I, Southampton might struggle this season, actually. You're looking at their squad. They've lost Bertrand, they've lost Ings. And they've not signed... I'm, I'm guessing they want him to sign a replacement striker, but if the, if they finish the if they if they finish the transfer window with this squad they have now, then you'd think they would struggle, wouldn't you? Yeah, they, there's rumours they might try and sign Brandon Williams from United on loan, uh, who could be an interesting 4.0. But if they get Brandon Williams, I feel like they definitely they definitely could get relegated. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it's been one of the worst transfer windows by a club. Maybe they just have no money. I assume they just have no money. Yeah, it could be. And Ings obviously only have one, one year left on his contract, right? So I guess getting some money for him kind of makes financial sense. But unless you're going to reinvest that money in something, you can't start with your only decent player being Ward Prowse, can you? Invest a guard. Yeah, it could be a could be a long season for Southampton. I'm just trying to see. They they did sign a left back, uh, Peru Romain Perud, Frenchman, for about ten million pounds. So I must confess I know nothing about him. Is at five million on the game. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think I think Southampton might struggle a bit. They did have quite a poor end to last season. Um, so. For me, I mentioned earlier that I, I have a sneaky feeling that Timu Puki um, is a bit underrated on the game. I think everyone's going for Tony because he's shiny and new, but I actually think Norwich are going to be a bit of dark horses this season in the Premier League. I think they're going to comfortably avoid relegation. So um, I'm going for Puki for this category. And Andy, you, you, you said that we had to give a disclaimer that you got the last pick here, uh, even though Matt hasn't picked yet. Um, so, so Andy, who have you gone for? Um, I am going to go for Chris Wood because he is uh, the only seven. But well, there are only two seven million strikers in the game. Um, he is a solid. He's the only one of the uh, of the Burnley strikers who seems to consistently be in the team whenever he's fit and ready. And um, he's their main main striker. Looked great in the Olympics. So although he might not, having come back from the Olympics, getting to the quarterfinals, he might not start the first few games as he recovers from that. But um, I expect over the course of the season, he'll do his thing and score 10-ish goals and keep Burnley up. So um, I, I, I decided to not go for the uh, the risk of Tammy Abraham, who surely the obvious transfer is a loan move to Brighton, which would be very interesting. But I don't think that's been in the news or anything, so I can't gamble on that. Um, I'm going with Wood. Ah. Good. I, I must confess, I had a bit of a, a mind blank for a second there when you said he looked great in the Olympics. And I, I, I temporarily forgot that football was part of the Olympics. And I was suddenly trying to think, <laughs> what was he doing? What was he doing in the Olympics? So imagine there with the pole vault going. Uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah, some kind of heading based <laughs> Olympic sport. <laughs> yeah, the 400 meters target man sprint. Uh, <laughs> So, so yeah, I think, well, Chris Wood, double figures all the last four seasons. He's, he always gets in my team at some point. Him and James Ward-Prowse, like, however bad Southampton and Burnley are, you just know I'm going to get desperate and I'll bring in Ward-Prowse and, and Chris Wood at some point. <laughs> we were talking about Southampton. Um, I've just had a look at their team and their team selected by percentage. Um the highest they have is Obafemi at 8.3, who I don't think anybody's picked because they really think he's going to score any points. The next highest uh, selected is uh, Ward Prowse, who's injured at 5%. At 5%. 
And the uh, the next house after that is 1.9%. So they're definitely not a popular team this season, Southampton. Yeah, and so I, I wonder if um, I wonder if they should be our dark horses. Like I don't know, the their fixtures don't look very friendly. But if if you're doing the three week strategy or four week strategy, I think their first four fixtures aren't too bad. They got Everton away, Man U home, Newcastle away, West Ham home, which isn't the worst. So yeah, maybe there's some uh, maybe uh, maybe Theo Walcott will finally come good, or uh, Romain Perrault, the the defender we talked about, who we know nothing about, might be a a sneaky good defender to have in. Um, but then again, maybe not. Um, right, so these are our bargain players. We're gonna we're gonna force Matt to pick his um, to pick his three. I mean, we know we know Matt's very predictable, so I've already typed in who his midfield pick is. Um, so we'll see if Matt picks the one. I think he will, but I'm sure that he will. Um, so, so yeah, we'll keep an eye on that during the season. Um, I guess we, we're just wrapping up for this uh, final preliminary pod. I don't know if there's any last things that you're looking forward to for the new season of FPL or the, the Premier League as a, as a whole um, this season. Uh, Andy, or do you want to go first? Um well, as a Man U fan, I'm looking forward to us continuing to improve. Um, I think most Man U fans are not expecting the league to be won, but just sort of to get closer and gradually each season be better than the last. So hopefully some kind of silverware this season, even even a League Cup would be nice. So yeah, trophy for Man U is what I'm looking forward to. Um, I'm looking, I'll give one FPL one, one, one club one. I think FPL wise, I think what might be interesting is um they're, they're changing some of the rules for referees where i think there's now um you know more benefit to the attack on, on marginal offsides so it'll be interesting to see how they implement that and hopefully hopefully that makes for a better spectacle i think there were a lot of ridiculous offside decisions last season and then the other one which is maybe more impactful on fpl is i think they're trying to up the threshold for when penalties are given there were a lot of like VAR style penalties given last season mm-hmm. where, you know, very minimal touching. So, um, yeah, that that might be interesting in terms of just limiting some of the output of some of the penalty takers um, like Bruno. Um, my, my club one is I'm really hoping Liverpool get worse this season. They haven't <laughs> made they haven't made that many um, transfers, which is good. Um, and they lost Wijnaldum so I'm hoping they're not good this season <laughs> it can happen because you think about it like the last few games that Van Dijk played they uh, they drew they drew in the game that he got injured against Everton and they lost 7-3 7-2 whatever it was to to Aston Villa like they didn't look great with Van Dijk in their team last season so you might be right so yeah I mean yeah, the the they made um they signed Konate, the centre back who could be good. Um, but they haven't really strengthened any of their midfield or forwards. So I'm hoping that continues. And yeah, <laughs> that's my that's my hope for the season is Liverpool not good. Yeah, well, I I mean I think it was. I mean, it's still better bit... than Arsenal and Spurs to be clear, but um, yeah. You know. it, it was that kind of farcical situation they had with so many centre-backs. I think now with Canate, Van Dijk and Gomez all back, there's probably an argument to go the other way and say, well, this is the Liverpool team that, that won the league two years ago. Um, but but yeah, it does seem like they maybe need to freshen it up a little bit. Um, yeah, I think it'd be a good season. Now. I think Chelsea will be very strong. We've not talked much about Chelsea players. I think just because they've, they've got very hard first 11 to pick. Um, for fantasy football purposes um, but I mean Tuchel is obviously a great manager and I think he'll make a lot more of that squad than Frank Lampard did so even though City are probably going to run away with it I think Man United, Liverpool and Chelsea can all dream of of some silverware um, just, just to round up from me I, I think the the thing I'm really looking forward to is just having fans back. And I know I know this is like, a, it's become a bit of a tedious cliche now. Oh, it's just great to see fans back in the stadium. But I, I think it's great for those games where 
players get more and more wound up and the fans just get on their back and you get like a really raucous atmosphere. And I'm really looking forward to a few more brawls and a bit more of a kind of, yeah, maybe a bit more shithousery than we were used to last season where it became a bit more like a computer game and the team that after after a few crazy weeks at the start of the season, it was like Man City just passing teams to death. Well, well maybe the fans can kind of be that mythical 12th man and, and help some of the, the underdogs um, and, sure. and just wind up the players, basically. Do you know what? I think also after a year with no fans, the players should be more susceptible to it as well, right? Because they're not used to having to deal with it anymore. So a few players who, like, um, people just generally don't like and are now going to suddenly get a load of abuse. <laughs> might, uh, might, might wilt under the pressure, might crack. We'll have to see. Yeah, so that'll be that'll be good to to look forward to, I think. So yeah, anyway, we'll see. We'll keep these pods coming throughout the season, and um, yeah, we'll 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 try and cover the best teams in our league mini league as well. So uh, the challenge is to try and win our our mini league, um, and yeah, we'd like to hear some feedback from the teams and who you think is going to be good players and and how, how you're gonna if you can beat uh, Ben, our reigning champion. I think only was it about three people managed it in the league last season so um that's the challenge so yeah we, we look forward to you joining us over the season uh any any final words andy um just that i hope matt doesn't win the league <laughs> <laughs> that's something we can all get behind i think uh ben, ben what do you think I was going to sign off with something similar, but was more like we're, we're on to your devious plans, Matt, of not sharing information with us. <laughs> yeah. We even know which midfielder you've picked for the uh, for the for the bargain midfielder and you haven't told us yet. We know all your tricks, Matt. So, uh, so yeah. <laughs> OK, well, uh, good. Good final week, everyone. Don't get too stressed out. Just just try and uh, stick to your plan. Stick to your team. Don't change your mind. And uh, we'll see you after the first week of fixtures have uh, been played. Uh, goodbye, everyone.